Thanks for listening to this Oakland Church message. At Oakland Church, we exist so people far from God will follow Christ and fulfill their purpose. For the full Sunday morning experience, join us at our Rochester, Michigan location every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. Amen. Praise God. Wow, what an awesome introduction with that video. Isn't that beautiful? Dad, that was powerful. Praise the Lord. Amen. How many people are excited to be in God's house this morning? Amen. The presence of the Lord is here. Someone say, the presence of the Lord is here. And wherever the presence is, how many people know there's freedom? Amen. Let's pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you for everything that you've done, Lord, in my life. Father, I thank you for everything that you've done, Lord, in this church. Lord, I thank you for everything that you've done thus far this morning. Holy Spirit, I pray that you sweep through this body this morning. Holy Spirit, I ask that you speak through me. Holy Spirit, use me to speak your word and your word alone. Bless us this morning. In Jesus' holy, awesome, and mighty name, everyone said a big amen. 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 Well, this week, well, this month, we're talking about being marked. Someone turn to your neighbor and say, I am marked. The definition of marked is to be designated or distinguished by or as by a mark, hence noticeable, conspicuous, as a marked card, a marked coin, a marked instant. Being marked could also be referred to as being labeled. So the subtitle of today's message is Please stop with the labels. Someone turn to your neighbor and say, stop with the labels. You know, I'm sick of being labeled as someone who wears nice shoes. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) My wife got these for me like two Christmases ago. I just bought (laughs) Oh, man, it was really getting holy, and now everyone's like, (laughs) it's all good. Oh, man. No, but I had, I've had these shoes for a long time. I just never wore them, so we're busting them out. It's been like three weeks in a row. I ain't got socks in them, so they're probably going to stink after a while. It's all good. Get the baby powder! <laughs> um, that was not in the notes, even though I'm still looking at the notes. We're gathering. Okay. So, we've been labeled in our, our life by different people because of circumstances, because of issues we've come into, because of situations we've dealt with, maybe because of things we've done, maybe because of our past problems and circumstances, maybe because of our addictions, we've been labeled a certain way. We've been marked a certain way by people. We've also been marked and labeled a certain way by the Lord. We're a chosen people. We're set apart to do greater things than even Jesus did. How many people believe that? And we've also been marked 
We got a target on our back, and his name's the enemy. And he's come to steal, kill, and destroy the mark of God on your life. How many people know that's not going to happen? Devil can't give me. I'm sorry. I don't care if there's a big target on my back. He ain't taking me. I put up the shield of faith. Amen. I put on the helmet of salvation. Amen. I put on the belt of truth. Amen. Devil got something to say. He's getting the word slapped back right in his face. Bam! <laughs> we used to have this preacher uh, from Lebanon. Was he from Elias Melki? Was he Lebanese? Okay, anyways. So we had this preacher. I grew up, you know, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. <laughs> Sorry, Dad. Got you. <laughs> an inside joke. So I, I grew up in this preacher coming once a year. This guy was hilarious, but one thing he wasn't afraid of was the devil, okay? And he also wasn't afraid of eating salad with his hands. We'd go out to eat after church, <laughs> after church service, and this guy would be eating. There'd be just fatouche salad dressing dripping off this fresh romaine lettuce, and he'd be talking like everything's normal, just picking the salad up, just eating it. Bam, eating that. I'm six years old. I'm like, that's not what I was taught. You eat with a fork. Welcome to America. But anyways, this, about two hours before the, the salad encounter, he was up preaching on stage. And he goes, you know, sometimes I just kick the devil out of my life. I do it with the word. He goes, but I also do it physically. He goes, I just give him a good kick. <laughs> And that was a, a big joke in our church for probably 10 years. We'd walk up, instead of shaking people's hands, we would just go. <laughs> oh, wow, that's awesome. So I labeled Mr. Elias, Brother Elias, as a devil kicker. Amen? All right, praise God. So I said this in the first service. I was sitting here during worship, and the Lord gave me a clear as day vision. I saw the hand of God, and I saw the finger of God. And I saw the finger of God over my grandfather, Russo. He's since passed in 2014. But my grandfather, many of you know, here know his testimony. But he was marked. Before he accepted Christ in his heart, he was marked by coins and cards. He was a gambler. He was labeled by his friends as a gambler. He was labeled by people he knew as the gambler who always borrowed money to keep gambling. That's what people labeled him as. He was a businessman. But there was areas in his life that were just sinking. It was like quicksand. He couldn't get out of it. Anyone ever feel that way before? It's like you keep trying, but you just keep sinking. Can't get out of the mud. My grandfather was in such a hole that he gave the Lord two weeks. Being a Catholic man, he gave the Lord two weeks. And he said if something doesn't happen in two weeks, he's ending the whole situation. He was quitting. He was done with life. And a week later, three older ladies from the Assemblies of God Church down the street knock on his door and invite him to church. He took it as a sign 
He walks into church on a Sunday morning. He sees all these Italians, all these Sicilians there. And he's like, geez, I know some of these people. Why didn't they invite me to church? No one told me about this. This is, I could just picture my grandpa eating an apple, walking in. This is beautiful. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> he was so funny. <laughs> you know? I'll never forget Nana Russo told me when they pulled up to Sunday on their first, my grandpa, what color was his Cadillac? Was it black or a Lincoln? Depends what year. My grandpa always got a new car. He loved cars. But he pulled up the church in this Cadillac. He goes, we got in this car like we were superstars walking into the church. My nana just tells the story. So funny. But anyways, they walk into the church and my grandpa's in there. He feels God for the first time for real. They go out to eat after they invite him to the second service. And something happened to my grandfather in that second service. The hand of God came down from heaven and he marked my grandfather with a new name and a new call. And my grandfather accepted Christ for the first time in his life for real and God changed his life forever. In a moment, his mark changed. He went from Dominic Russo the gambler Dominic Russo, the one who drank. Dominic Russo, the one who was failing. Dominic Russo, the one whose marriage was falling apart. The one who owed people money. He went in an instant from that label to instantly being a son of God. Instantly. Just like that. And because of the power of God that moved on his life and the hand of God that marked him, that Sunday morning, that is why we are sitting here this morning. And my grandfather did not look back. He kept going. He preached the gospel everywhere he went. He was a voice of evangelism in Detroit. He was a voice of evangelism in Detroit. Everywhere he went, he could not stop talking about the Lord. He couldn't stop. It became a new addiction. And this morning, some of you walked in with addictions. Some of you walked in with problems. Some of you have been labeled by your peers. Some of you have been labeled by society as one who won't succeed. But the Bible says all of God's promises are yes and amen. That means it's done. That means so be it. But because you've been but because you've come into an agreement with a label that either you've given yourself or either the enemy has lied to you about yourself or because someone has said something over you, because you've come into that agreement, those promises over your light, it's been like a stalemate, like you've been in quicksand. And the Lord says this morning, get ready for the shift. The Lord says, get ready, because I am relabeling you. Come on, someone clap and shout for the Lord this morning. In high school, I was labeled as Jonathan Russo, best dressed. <laughs> it's in the 2004 yearbook, baby. In 2001, my brother Dominic was labeled as best dressed. It's in the jeans. And most likely to become a priest. <laughs> Mom, I don't know what year you graduated, but I do know you got best dressed too. It's in the bloodline, baby! And we get deals. TJ Maxx, Marshalls, home, I shop at Home Goods. Home Goods. I know when they're coming out with the new tables. I see the, the workers rolling them out. Stop! Don't put the price tag.
got it. Just give it to me. Roll it to the front. Get that label off that thing. Market sold. I'm sorry. Okay. We bought this table, my wife and I, at Home Goods. It's at Pendleton's house now. But I know this table was a $1,000 table. I know it was a $1,000 table. I know it. I felt it in my gut. I felt it. They didn't put the label on it. I brought it up there. I said, listen, there's no label. How much? $2.99. <laughs> Praise God for favor. It's called the label favor. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Amen. Someone turn to your neighbor and say, I'm taking the labels off this morning. 163 times in the Bible we see the word mark, marked. Luke 4, verse 18, the spirit of the Lord is on me because I am marked or labeled out by him to give good news to the poor. He has sent me to make well, those who are brokenhearted, to say that the prisoners will be let go and the blind will see, and to make the wounded free from their chains. Acts 1.24, and they made prayers and said, Lord, having knowledge of the hearts of men, make clear which of these two have been marked out by you. Acts 2.39, for the word of God is for you and for your children and for all of those who are far off, even all those who have been marked out by our Lord God. Romans 1.7. To all those who are in Rome, loved by God, marked out as saints. Do we have any saints in the house? Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We all know this verse, Romans 8.28. It's a different translation. And we are conscious that all things are working together for good to those who love God and have been marked, labeled, or called out by his purpose. Amen. Amen. In John chapter 10, we see a battle. We see a battle between the enemy, the thief. I call him the crooked thief. Enemy's crooked. And we have a battle between the good shepherd. Jesus labeled himself the good shepherd. How can you say Jesus labeled himself the good shepherd? Listen, Jesus was given authority from the Father, and through that authority and revelation of who he was and who he came from, he marked himself as the good shepherd who would end up sacrificing his life for his flock. Jesus Christ had the authority to do so. And in that, we carry the authority to do that. How many people know it's not a mathematical equation? Your Christian walk with the Lord is not a mathematical equation. It is not something hard to grasp. So many times in our lives we think that it's just, it's, we, can't, we can't get up on stage and preach because that's just for other people. Well, listen, I never thought I'd preach in my life and here I am preaching. I know half of it's jokes and laughs. But still, I'm preaching. I never thought I would be preaching. I didn't think I was good enough to preach. I labeled myself. But Christianity is not a mathematical equation. It's a relationship between the Godhead, the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
If you believe in Jesus Christ and you repent and you accept him into your heart, you have total access to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen? And it's a daily relationship. When you wake up in the morning, the first thing you should say is, good morning, Holy Spirit. Good morning, Jesus. Good morning, Father. What's going down today? What do we got on the docket? Whose lives are we going to change? What business are you calling us to start? Who are you telling me to talk to? Do you just want me to worship today? Do you want me to go visit that lady at Starbucks? Do you have a word for this person? Holy Spirit, speak to my heart. Holy Spirit, mark me with your words. Holy Spirit, use me. Use me, Holy Spirit. Use me, God. To be a light. I'm so sick. I know it's not this church, but I'm so sick of the body of Christ not living out to their fullest potential. I'm so sick of the body of Christ believing the lies of the enemy that they're not good enough. I'm so sick of the body of Christ believing the lies of even people inside of church. How many people know that gossip could go on in church? Gossip could go on in your own household. Gossip could go on in a business. Gossip could go on in middle school, at, at uh, a high school. Gossip's everywhere. And the enemy uses words. The Bible says life and death are in the power of the tongue. What are you speaking out of your mouth? What are you labeling yourself? Jesus said, I came to give you life and life more abundantly. And the thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. So this morning, watch what comes out of your mouth. I believe that the Lord's even saying, tame Christians, tame your tongues. Tame your tongues. Tame your tongues. And then use your tongues to speak life. Use your tongues to prophesy. Use your tongues to set the captive free. Use your tongue as Jesus used his tongue. When the enemy came against him, when the Pharisees came against him, what did Jesus say? He quoted the word. He quoted truth. He quoted life. And he didn't sugarcoat nothing. 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 Jesus was not a sugarcoater. If you're looking for soft Christianity, you came to the wrong church this morning. We didn't get a lot of claps on that one. <laughs> it's getting cold up in here. I know this church doesn't do this, but I'm done patty caking around. I cook pancakes for my kids every morning. That's enough for me. I came to church this morning to preach a word and to receive a word and set some people free. I feel like John Hagee. <laughs> How many people know who John Hagee is? That guy's awesome. John 10, 6 through 16. Those who heard Jesus use this illustration didn't understand what he meant. So Jesus was giving an illustration of the good shepherd, 
first five verses, he gives the illustration, and the, the apostles and the disciples were just like, ooh. <laughs> they didn't understand it. Jesus is so funny. When I was reading this, I was just laughing so hard. He, he goes, so he explained it to them. So he talked to them like how a baby would talk. You, you would talk to your child, your son. Hello, son. You eat food like this so it doesn't fall out on the ground. So picture Jesus telling his disciples like this. I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. Does that make sense? Think about it. I tell you, how many people saw the movie Aladdin? You got, remember the genie? Tell her the truth. <laughs> you guys remember that? It's a great movie. I got it memorized. I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come through me will be saved. Can't get any simpler than that. They, they will come and go freely and find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. What's he saying? A hired hand, someone who's hired, doesn't really care about the well-being of the business doesn't care about the well-being of the ship. He's, he's just there for a paycheck. So if a wolf comes, the guy's just, the, the hired hand's just like, oh, a wolf's coming. I'm not going to get in danger. I'm, I'm backing up. But no, Jesus is saying, I'm the good shepherd. I'm going to stick out my neck for my flock, and I'm not leaving one behind. Amen? He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him, and, and it, he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters their flock. That's the enemy's main job. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. Again, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and they know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, so I sacrifice, speaking of the cross, my life for the sheep. I have other sheep too, speaking of the Gentiles, that are not in the sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice. They will be one flock with one shepherd. One flock with one shepherd. So you have the good shepherd Jesus and you have the crooked thief. The crooked thief will come after you. He'll come after your mind. He'll use lies. He'll use false accusations. He'll use your weaknesses, your insecurities, and he'll try and play them against you to keep you confused and disillusioned. Illusioned. He wants you so confused that you become spiritually handcuffed. He wants you so confused that there's literally a zipper on your mouth so you can't preach the word of God. He wants you so confused that your hands are cuffed so that you can't be the hands and feet of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He wants to prohibit you from fulfilling the call of God on your life. He wants to prohibit you from being marked. See, being marked, your first marking is when you receive Christ. Salvation. The Bible says we go from glory to glory to glory to glory. Your next mark would be receiving the Holy Spirit. 
the gift of the Holy Spirit. Your third mark would be being commissioned by God for a specific call. And in that, when you start um, when you start living out that call, that mark of God, in that, that's when the devil gets scared. That's when the devil comes in to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's when he comes. He's sneaky, and he's crooked. I gave an illustration in the first service. Our dealership, about a year ago, and maybe a year and a half ago, we got three Dodge Ram trucks stolen from our dealership. Finally, I got video cameras. I'm like, I'm done with this, we're getting video cameras. So I got this TV in my office, and I have nine cameras on the screen. And so I thought to myself, well, there's five windows that look into my office from outside. If I keep my light on at night, and I have the TV screen on with the cameras on there, a thief would be scared because they know they're being videotaped, correct? Am I right or wrong? Is that a decent way to think about it? Well, we lost a couple dealer plates, and the only way to get them back is you got to go to the police station, file a report, and then the state sends you new dealer plates. And one of our employees went to the police station, and the police, the, the head sheriff goes, is Mr. Russo there? I get on the phone, I go, hello, sheriff. He goes, Mr. Russo. He goes, I know your whole family. I'm like, you do? He goes, yeah, they're on your wall in your office. <laughs> I got this big picture of my wife and my four kids. He's like, they're beautiful. You got a beautiful family. I'm like, thanks, officer. He goes, turn your lights off. Are you not thinking straight? He goes, thieves are smart. They're crooked. They do this for a living. He goes, they'll know where your video cameras are at. They'll come in, sit in the trees with binoculars, look at your screen, and they'll figure out where the cameras are and rob you where the video cameras aren't. He goes, shut it down. Keep it dark. I never thought of it like that. I never thought of it like that. I never thought of it like that. I was blown away, so now I keep my lights off. Because we're being smarter than the thief. We're being smarter than the enemy. And sometimes you need a sheriff. Sometimes you need a preacher. Sometimes you need a friend. Sometimes you need the Holy Spirit to show you and equip you to protect you, to protect your mark, to protect your heavenly label so the enemy can't steal it and rob from you. I'm so sick of the devil robbing from the church. You got all these rich businessmen that aren't saved, and they're out robbing people. I'm not saying all of them, but they're out robbing people, and they're doing it discreetly and not that a way that God would want. And then you got us, some of us Christians scraping for a dollar, scraping, scraping, because we've been lied to, and we've been said, this is all you're worth, this is all you can get. No. Jesus said... You will prosper. Jesus said he'll give us more than enough. Stop believing the lies of the enemy and step out into the label that God's given you. Praise the Lord. Someone clap and shout for the Lord. Number two, what is your label? What have people labeled you as? Just think about it. Number three, how do you overcome a false label, marker, accusation? 
The Bible says we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Every time the enemy tries to lie to my mind, I just speak life. I speak the word. I plead the blood of Jesus over my mind. I speak my testimony. I shouldn't be up here preaching. I shouldn't even own a business. I shouldn't be doing what I'm doing. My life doesn't make sense, devil. My life doesn't make sense. But Jesus makes sense. Paul the apostle makes sense. So devil, you want to come at me? You want to say things to my mind? Get behind me, Satan. Get behind me. We sang this two weeks ago. Ain't no grave going to hold this down. What grave in your life is holding you down from fulfilling the call of God on your life? The mark that God has called and placed you to do. What grave in your life has holds you down? Is it an addiction? What label has held you down? Is it your parents? Is it your past? If you repent and ask the Lord for forgiveness, he looks at you just as if you've never sinned. It's a fresh start. The Bible says his mercies are new every morning. Not just one morning, not just tomorrow, every morning. The Lord is coming back for a bride that is powerful, living in the full manifestations of Acts chapter 2, and then some. We're not going to be living that if we're sitting here in our church pews still trying to figure out what our label is because we're scared and we're, we're beat down from what other people said about us. It's not going to happen. When the Holy Spirit fell, the Bible says the church was in unity and in one accord. Whoa. That's a pretty simple equation too. Unified. A unified body. A unified church. Come on, Oakland Church, just clap for the Lord. Let's pray for unity. You think we're unified now? You wait and see what the Lord's going to do. No devil in hell can take the unity out of this church. We're going to become even more unified. The devil's so scared of this place. He just wants to kick one thing out of place. I got the Lebanese foot going now. He just wants to cook. He wants to kick one thing out of place. Because if just one little thing's out of place, it's not going to happen the way the Spirit of God wants it to happen. I want to be directly in line. You see the military men, when they march, not one person's out of alignment. They're in single file line going straight towards what the officer's telling them to do. Imagine if the church wakes up and becomes in full alignment and in full unity, what would take place? Imagine. Imagine if we label this church, oh, Oakland Church, the church of unity. Hello. God loves every tribe. God loves every tongue. God loves every nation. A unified tribe, a unified tongue, and a unified nation. What happened when they built the Tower of Babel? They kept going up, 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 up. Everyone was unified. They were so unified, God had to make them ununified because they were doing it for the wrong reason. So imagine when we do it for the right reasons. You got 200 young kids that came to VBS, 225,000 people that came to Peru, that, went, that got saved in Peru, 10,000 missionaries. Talk about unity. But let's talk about it now on an even greater scale. What does it look like, people? I see what unity looks like in this church. I've seen it. I've seen it for five years in the spirit. 
And right now, we're at the tipping point of this church being unified. And the Lord's saying, I'm putting more oil. I'm putting more oil in the bucket. And it's tipping. It's tipping. It's tipping in a good way. It's tipping. It's tipping. It's tipping. When this church becomes fully unified to the call, to the mark on this church, you wait and see what I got in store. The revival that was prophesied over this body in 1997. Come on, Dad that was prophesied by John Kilpatrick in 1997 when this church becomes fully unified under this pastor you watch this apostle this prophet this man of God you watch what takes place you watch the devil tried to take this church out a long time ago he ain't touching nothing he can't take nothing this church is covered by the blood of Jesus it's covered by the blood of Jesus, and ain't no devil in hell going to touch this church, going to touch our church body, nothing. He's so scared because he's scared of the revival. Not only is he scared of the revival, he's scared of the habitation of the Spirit of God in this church. What is a habitation? It's a place where the Spirit of God dwells. You come in during a staff meeting. We don't start the staff meeting, hey, guys, how's everyone doing? No, we're on our knees praying in the Spirit for this church. Praying in the spirit. Six, eight, ten of us, it don't matter. Praying. Pastor Dean Amira, praying. Jason James, praying. Sam and Liz, praying. Everyone is praying for this church. God is moving, and this church has been marked. This church has been marked. And the enemy is not going to steal, the enemy is not going to kill, and not going to destroy the call of God on this church. We will continue to plow. We will continue to push forward. We will not look back. Praise God. Is anyone getting encouraged this morning? What happens when you receive a righteous mark of God? You start living your life like biblical figures. <laughs> Things may not make sense at times. But how many people know it's a good thing when sometimes your life doesn't make sense because it allows you to hide under the shadow of the Almighty. And in that place of weakness, in that place of worry, of anxiety, of fear, the Lord is with you, and you're hiding under him, and his presence is with you. And he builds you up. And he'll never let you down. He'll never forsake you. He loves you. And so the Lord is saying this morning, many of you here have been marked by the Lord. Some of you have yet to, been, yet to be marked by God. Some of you may have come to this church for the first time. Maybe you've been to a church before. Maybe you were like my grandfather. And you're so desperate right now. 
Maybe you know God, you've heard of Jesus. But the Lord's singling you out this morning. As I've been preaching, you've been feeling a presence around you. My friend, that's the Holy Spirit tugging at your heart. At some points of the message, maybe you wanted to weep and you don't know why. You've never felt anything like this before. My friend, that's the Lord. That's Jesus saying, I'm right here. Let me mark you. So if you came here this morning and you say, John, I don't know where I'm going to go when I die. When Jesus came, his main mission was to die on the cross so that we can spend eternity with him. His main mission was to rise on the third day, proving that he was God's son. His main mission was to come so that we could have a relationship with him, so that we can have a relationship with the Father and a relationship with the Holy Spirit. His main reason why he came is because he loves you. He loves you. He loves me. He loves all of us the same. If it was just you on this earth, he would have died just for you. Because you're his son and you're his daughter. So this morning, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to ask a question. If you came here this morning and you say, John, I don't know where I'm going to go when I die. I have heard of Jesus. I know a few scriptures, but I've never fully surrendered my life to God. I've never really let God mark me. I want to accept Christ in my heart, for real, for real. And if the whole congregation can repeat this prayer, God's here with us now. If we can all just say this prayer. Say, Father God, Father God in the name of Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I am not perfect. But you sent your son Jesus to die for me. He shed his blood so that I could be forgiven. Lord Jesus, I believe you are the son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you rose on the third day. And I'm asking you to come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. And mark me to live for you. I want to be labeled as a follower of Christ. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Everyone just clap for the Lord. Praise the Lord. We hope you enjoyed that part of our message. There is so much more to experience at Oakland Church. We look forward to seeing you soon.